Welcome to Heavyweights, the show that exists in the 4HL. I'm John Mangalitzo. I'm Armin Talui. I'm Sam Mangalunit. How's it going, folks? How you doing, boys? Good, good. We're all we're back. We're all back. I am. I have returned from my long exile in the shithole country of New Jersey. Armin <laughs> is back. You both have recovered from your tummy left. <laughs> the people don't know. I might have missed a recording session. They don't know. Oh, but you're coming fair. What they don't know won't hurt them. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> it certainly right. hurt me. What's on the docket today, fellas? I think we're talking about the 4HL because that, that's what the Open was about. Yeah. Well, so... I, I, first of all, I actually, uh, speaking to a friend this week, found that uh, not everyone actually knows what this term means, the 4HL. It's, it's extremely we, uh, online. It is an extremely before online we, uh, term. Before, before we dive into this, we should probably explain to the people what, the, what, what we're talking about here by the, the 4HL. Yes, so the 4HL stands for four-hour life. It's the idea that between your eight-hour workday and your eight hours of sleep and your like four hours of miscellaneous like travel time and, and your family obligations, you have four hours to yourself for five days a week. Now, the question that, that we asked ourselves in the last recording session, is the weekend part of the 4HL? No. I think it is part of the paradigm of the 4HL, but I think it is siloed separately from the 4HL. You have to account for it when coping and seething during the 4HL, but it itself is not part of the 9-to-5-4HL life. I, I agree with Sam. All right. That's that's a pretty definitive answer. Um, I definitely come down on the 4H, on, on that that side of the, the argument. I think it's in the paradigm. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily the 4HL because you, you do have time to do things that you want to do during the weekend. This brings us to the, the, the meat of the episode. Um, there was this video that came out a couple of days ago. Um, another one of these videos where a young woman is on TikTok discovering that her nine to five job does not give her the money or the fulfillment that she is desperately seeking in her life. 40 hours a week makes me $2,000 a month. And my rent is 1660. So I work 40 hours a week so I can have a two bedroom apartment and an extra $300 a month. I'm so tired that like anything that I need to do outside of work, I then just push off to like the weekend. So it is really like working seven days a week constantly. Uh, this one in particular is very special because Matt Walsh, uh, responded to the tweet and had about as awful a take as you could possibly have. He says, honestly boggles my mind that so many people think 40 hours of work of work a week is a lot. That leaves you at least five or six waking hours a day during the week to yourself and two full days on the weekend. How much more free time do you really think you should have? I, I mean, she's she's talking about how like not only does she not get the fulfillment in her life, but like the the one the other thing that stands out is like she's talking about how she makes two thousand dollars a month and her rent is sixteen sixty. Like, first of all, that's crazy. You're only making twenty five thousand dollars a year. Like now that I actually think about it, like is she living on her own on two thousand dollars a month? Because like that's not great at all. Yeah, that's that's really not great. One thing actually I didn't pick up on the first time I listened to the video and like kind of you know, adds a little nuance to it is she mentions that that's for a two bedroom apartment. And that doesn't quite make sense to me that if she's living alone, why is she getting a two bedroom apartment? Like it does seem like part of her problem could be fixed by just 
getting a roommate to pay half the rent. But aside from that, I think I think Walsh really missed the whole problem here is that like what I got from this isn't really that she's complaining necessarily about not having enough free time. Cause I mean, that's that everybody wants more free time. Like, I, I think that's just a yeah. unanimous opinion across the board. Everyone's like, yeah, if I, if I could spend less time working and more time doing the stuff I do for fun, I would, I would enjoy it more. That's very reasonable. Everyone agrees with that. But I think at the heart of what she's complaining about is that her job sucks. It doesn't pay her very much. And then after she pays for all of her, you know, mandatory living expenses, she basically doesn't have any money either. So yeah. that like she's literally just working this shitty, I'm assuming, white collar entry entry level, entry level data job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that barely pays her enough to get by. And then when she does even have a little bit of free time, shouldn't have any money, any money to actually do anything. So, you know, what, what are you what are you supposed to do with your free time? If you don't have any money. Just hang out in your house by yourself and like go on the Internet. Like that seems yeah. to be what most people do. And it doesn't make them happy. I think there's also like we need to consider the priorities here. Like sure everyone nowadays has to work until we're like 97 and then retire maybe um but depending on how old this young woman is it, it, i don't think she's necessarily bemoaning the lack of like you said the ability to scroll tiktok until like four in the morning it's more so the lack of just general fulfillment and you're not going to get that if you're just a data monkey nine times out of ten you're not going to get that from being a data monkey for very little pay or just a email jockey like that's just not going to happen and where you're looking for fulfillment in your life if you're trying to find fulfillment in your professional life and you just have a job because you need a job to survive and your job sucks and you're not able to survive and i mean you're able to survive at the bare minimum but you're not able to do anything more than that like if your rent is more than half your income you can barely afford food perhaps you need to reassess your priorities in life um you know this woman probably wants to get married at some point and because she's constantly trying to make, make ends meet, how is she going to square that circle? How are you going to find the time to actually move forward and advance in your life in uh, realms other than professionalism if all you're doing is trying to get off the uh, the gerbil wheel? Yeah, that, yeah. Like, that's the thing that we we don't really talk about as a society is that it's not necessarily the fact that you don't have free time because a lot of times during work, you have a lot of free time. You know, I've worked in a couple of, of less than fulfilling fake email jobs. I was in journalism for a long time. And like, there's a lot of time to kill during the day if you, when, when you're not like immediately clicking, trying to, you know, to push out content. So you have time during the day to like fuck around scrolling on TikTok and stuff like that. The problem is most of these jobs are fake. It's not just entry level jobs. You know, one of my best friends, works he's you know mid-level professional and he still says that most of the things he does in a day is just moving numbers around on a screen in excel like that's not a fulfilling job you're gonna you're gonna drive yourself into the ground if that's what you do eight hours a day because you're not doing anything i think we also need to just like not to be not to get too lost in the sauce here but i think we just need to like what are you supposed to do with your free time in 2024 like we keep going back to like the internet, just spending time on the internet and just dicking around for fun. Is that really what we're supposed to be doing here? On well, Earth? I mean, I could, I, I, I can talk about what I do for fun because I, at least when I, when, when I first started working, I'd like to come home and like you know 
jump on my computer at home and like you know game and just like right. you know do sh- do shit online but like the, the the longer i've been working and like been out of school the 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 less i enjoy that like i i, I get home from a day of work like I don't really want to just like, you know, go go sit at my desk in front of my computer again for another four hours. Right. Right. After having just done that for the last eight hours. And so what what I mean, I, I obviously like, you know, go to the gym, lifting lifting heavy things. That's that's always fun. Um, and then also just I mean, I I my, my experience is definitely gonna be different from a lot of young people and that like most young people seem to congregate around, you know, cities where there's, you know, typical sort of, you know, socializing, nightlife, all that kind of stuff. I live in a tiny little town of like 10,000 people and half of them are retired. So there's not much of that going on for me. So, I mean, I, I just like to get outside and like, you know, go for walks and, you know, look up new recipes, figure out new stuff to cook and just kind of like, you know, fill my time that way. And then, you know, when the, when the weather gets better, you know, go out fishing and kayaking and boating and all that kind of stuff during the summer. But, um, this is no longer you know? a podcast. This is Armin's video dating profile. Yeah, it is. No, no, it's I'm just right. saying, man. I, I, I would date Armin. I would date Armin. Many, many people are saying. Many people are saying. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, that, I, that, that's my point. You know, it's what it, like the median. You're definitely not the median American young professional. Like, wh- what do most people? And I would take it back to priorities, right? What do most people do with their free time? Most people just go from the medium-sized screen sit in front of a bigger screen and stare at the right. small screen in their palm they go from the work screen to the play screen right like, exactly. no, no one's actually doing anything to pursue self-fulfillment or self-development well, but if you but then I, if they if they aren't doing that right i i mean this is what i do when i like go out and like visit friends and places where there are things going on mm-hmm. is i mean you typically if you're going to do stuff with your friends you know you go out yeah. and you know you you go out for drinks your food and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know what? That that stuff's all really expensive now. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. Right. Pretty much got a bunch. Like I, I, I figure if I'm going out like for drinks and food, and once you include like you know Ubers and all that kind of stuff too, you're probably spending minimum hundred dollars. A minimum. Absolute yeah. minimum. Yeah. That, that's you're gonna a spend cheap at least night, like yeah. you're gonna spend yeah. like hundred bucks yeah. out on a cheap night. Probably more like two, three hundred bucks if like you know you're you're going anywhere decent. Yeah. Um. So I mean, and if your budget is you know I have five hundred dollars a month for everything except for rent. Well, you can't do any of that stuff. That's right. all immediately off the table. You're shopping at, you know, grocery outlet and, you know, you're you you're walking everywhere. You can't right. you can't you can't afford a car. You can't afford to take Ubers. Like you're yeah. you, you know, you're walking to the grocery store and you're buying the cheapest possible items you can. And that's about it. Or you're running up credit card debt is the only Which other alternative. I would then kind of, uh, I would connect it back partially to priorities there first. And then uh, I have two points here. One, I want to connect it back to priorities. Uh, and I'm not, you know, questioning anyone's intent here because I don't know who the hell this person is other than the video. A lot of people just kind of jump into the fray as opposed to actually taking a second to assess their circumstances. And like, how many people actually do a budget? I'd wager it's very few. Most people would be better off if instead of once they graduated, rushing to the big city, staying at home in their hometown or whichever city they graduated in for, I don't know, five or seven years and saving money and building a life there instead of trying to rush into, you know, the expensive major metropolitan areas where they can't afford to exist. Um, And the second point is it's the circumstances are such where there really is no sustainable alternative to the hyper expensive you know social life you can 
have i mean there is like like my friends down here and i we love to play board games so that's something we do it doesn't cost a lot of money well people will like bring a bag of chips or a bottle of wine and you know that's how you splurge and have your snacks and your food and your booze but generally speaking like the civic the civil infrastructure that was there doesn't exist anymore the rotary clubs don't really exist um civil institutions like the knights of columbus are around but they're aging all these things that used to provide you know communities with their color that used to give people a thing to do places to go to meet other people that would provide them their fulfillment and the 4hl just aren't there anymore but uh, this is all like robert putnam's bowling alone this is kind of like the crux of that yeah we, i think what you're, what you're discussing is the the lack of a third place i've heard this yeah, term thrown around yeah. a lot right that you know people have home and work and then in the past you'd have wherever you live whether it was you know in the city small town whatever it was, you know, there'd be kind of a, a third place where yeah. people just congregate and hang out, which and, is now know, the internet. Know, it is. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a less fulfilling third place. Than, right. Uh, Cause you're not actually interacting with people. Like you can talk to, you know, however many Twitter nons there are, and you might have a genuine connection with them online, but that's not an actual person. Like the odds you actually find, you know, the mother of your children through a schizophrenic Twitter group chat are slim to none. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a very anti-human era, regardless of whether or not, you know, people are bitching and moaning about superfluous issues is kind of a secondary factor there. Yeah. So anyways, bringing this back to where we jumped off from, which was Walsh's criticism, which I think we all had our own problems with. And it, it, it came across to me, at least, as in, incredibly tone deaf. Right. And then like his he's essentially just, you know, lecturing this this woman about how, you know, she's she actually should be, you know, grateful that she has, you know, so much free time, you know, you're working this you only have to work 40 hours a week. So uh, you know, you should you should be able to do anything you want. And he's he's missing the entire I what I think is at least the 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 real complaint there is that well, what is she supposed to do yeah. when there is no social life for her to have outside of work? that isn't prohibitively expensive in almost every case. So I, I, I think rather than, you know, dunking on these people, we should essentially tell them it doesn't have to be this way. It wasn't always this way. And we can go back to, you know, how things used to be. It'll just require you to, you know, make different political decisions at the end of the day. And essentially, you know, we, we, we these are people I think that we can win over and that they're yeah. frankly, yeah, whichever, whichever political party basically presents a better vision of the future for young people is going to dominate for a generation in the same way that after, you know, the great depression and FDR with the new deal, the Dems dominated for a generation. We're, we're, we're set up in a situation like that again, where I think whichever, whichever side basically is able to present and implement a vision for the future that actually, you know, makes things better for young people is going to absolutely dominate. Right. This so, is, uh, I wrote I wrote this uh, a draft piece of this for uh, my former employer. I will uh, I'll probably post it on the Substack now that that we're talking about this on the show. Um, we've entered into this really vicious cycle where you know you go to college and you take up hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt to go get a job that you hate and destroys your sense of fulfillment and and kills all of your free time to get money to afford things that you can't even afford anyway because everything is so expensive and just rinse and rin rinse and repeat like the first party that breaks this cycle is going to 
you know, is going to absolutely kill it with young people. That's the real, that's the winning economic message. Enough of like, enough of the Taylor Swift stuff, like, you know, and enough of like the, you know, digital memes about Vivek, like Blake Masters, for all of his faults and for all the things that went wrong with his campaign. No faults. No, no faults. He has none. That's not, no faults. I I love Blake Masters. I love Blake. We all love Blake. Blake, please come on the show. Blake was also perfectly over the target with his primary messaging. Like the, the, you should be able to raise a family on one single income thing. That is yeah, perfect. Yeah. And you're seeing more and more of that come out of the guys in the new right. Like um, Vance is all about making birth free, right? Holly's all about protecting jobs and industry. Um, which, but that's socialism. Yeah, socialism is when the government does something. Communism, <laughs> and the more the more stuff it does, the more socialism it is. It's the communism is when the government does a big something. Um, I guess my question would be, what would what would you know this this? I mean, obviously we're not going to solve this tonight. I mean, unless we do, so who knows? It is we're so early on in the podcast. Politicians, um, if you're running for office, listening to this, we are solving the problem for you, right here for free. Um, what does that vision look like? What like, do you have any ideas of what those policies might entail? I think making honestly birth free, I think is a good one, considering that the birth rate continues to plummet. People aren't getting married. Part of that is debt, so to speak. Um, I don't know. I personally, I am intuitively more prone or instinctively more prone to things like protectionism, um, just from being the being from the rust belt and such. Um, yeah, I mean. I, I I think there's like three the three big ones that you got to deal with housing uh, are yeah housing education and healthcare those are like the three biggest expenses for almost everybody and they're the three things that seem to always yeah. get more expensive no matter what like cheap consumer goods generally are are getting cheaper at least until the latest wave of inflation that maybe so, broke that trend a little bit but that those are the three biggest ones and I mean housing. First and foremost, I think that's where yeah. I think you can get the most converts to to our side in yeah. that the the left through their sort of they, they they have this like weird desire of like the only time they're willing to build more housing is if it's like shitty housing projects for like illegal immigrants and people on welfare. Right. And that's like yeah. the only time they're willing to like talk about housing, whereas what we should really be focusing on is, you know, creating affordable housing for exactly the people we've been talking about, young professionals who want to start a family. Those are the people who are really struggling to be able to afford houses. And most of them, at least from people I've talked to in my own situation, feels like, you know, it may never be affordable yep. to to buy a house, at least not in any place I'd want to live. The Like, yeah, right. maybe you can buy a shitty, like ramshackle, like no thousand copper square piping. foot. Yeah, some like shitty ramshackle thousand square foot house in like the worst neighborhood in town for like under a quarter million dollars. But in pretty much every other city, every city, if you want anything decent, you're paying well over a quarter million, probably more yeah. like half a million for anything, yeah. let alone something nice. Uh, so, I mean, just building, building more houses for people to live in, uh, deporting a bunch of the people yeah, who shouldn't be here. That are immigration. Yeah. Uh, actually yeah. reasserting the idea of nationhood and like not just the idea of nationhood reestablishing re the very like political premise of nationhood i think is central to this where america is for americans not for people who want a better apartment and just come to the nation come to the country um i mean look at new york they're giving prepaid debit cards to illegals who just mugged uh 
damn cop. So these the illegals and I mean, our, our way too generous migration policies in general are a drain on resources. So w- those ought to serve Americans who are already here. We're just, I mean, we're it's just, something... we're just robbing future generations. It's something crazy. I read this number that like over the last 50 or so years among like population growth in the US, it's something like almost 100 million of it is from immigration and like the downstream consequences of basically people who immigrated and then had families once they came here too. me being one of those people. But um, you're my favorite consequence. Leaving, leaving, leaving that out. That um, (laughs) that's. That's kind of insane, right? For a country to basically grow in population by 100 million over yeah. 50 years, that's a huge amount of growth. And there's it, it's not like we built enough houses over that same time period to no, you know make yeah. sure everybody could still afford a house. I, that, that, that went out the window a long time ago. There's also there's another fact issue at play here, whereas the federal government just over-regulates federal land because of environmental, environmental reasons and doesn't allow anyone to develop on it. So, you know, get rid of all these, you know, stupid ass, uh, indigenous land rights and start building apartment buildings. That would, that would solve part of this problem, wouldn't it? It would. So yeah, I mean, built building, building is a big part. Getting yeah. the people out who shouldn't be here is a big part. Um, breaking up the, the, the healthcare monopoly, right. Where, yeah. um, this is actually something I know a little bit more about actually, cause, um, here in Washington is in particular, I think there's basically one company now or two, that own essentially all of the private hospitals in the entire state, which is entirely anti-competitive. Yeah. So something I'm very curious about is had an Obamacare, this is totally revisionist, but had an Obamacare repeal and replace gone through, what would the state of healthcare look like? Would it have been, obviously there'd be some growing pains and you'd have to like readjust the system through shock therapy or whatever. Um, I'm curious, would we be on a path to correction in that regard, or would it still be as bad as it is currently? Granted, healthcare in this nation, like you're explaining, I mean, granted, this is in the late stage Obamacare, um, has always been a nightmare, at least throughout our lives. So I don't know. I guess I don't actually know what the sort of repeal and replace program would have looked like, what the what the actual policy has been. I mean, I, I doubt Thanks it to John McCain, much- we never will. I, I, I doubt uh, I doubt it could have been much worse than yeah. the, the current system. I mean, I'm spending almost four grand a year on health insurance and Gosh. I don't even go. I don't even go to the doctor, really. Yeah. Like I'm a healthy young person. And like I I feel like I should be like the absolute cheapest person to insure. Yeah. And I'm still spending like four grand a year on health insurance. Yeah. So uh, it's not cheap. It's and not- that's. That's even with nothing going wrong. I think my deductible is like another five thousand on top of that. So like, even if something bad does happen, I'm going to spend yeah. another five grand before I even start getting anything covered by insurance. Yeah. So that's that, it's, agree- it's egregious. It's a ridiculous that's- system. So th- this is actually something I've talked about before with other people. Is it would never work in practice, but if we could essentially make a deal with the left of like, hey. You give us everything we want on immigration and we give you everything you want on healthcare. I think we'd end up in a better situation than we are now. Yeah. Maybe. Uh that I'm essentially just... we let them institute their like Medicare for all, single payer, dream, whatever they want. Like Bernie Sanders gets to decide healthcare and 
I don't know, like Stephen Miller gets to decide immigration. Hell and yeah, that's brother. The, that's the trade that we make. So like, I, I think I think I, that's that's a, I would take that deal. I would vacuum, take that deal. In a vacuum, yeah, I totally agree. Give me 2016 Bernie Sanders healthcare and Stephen Miller immigration policy. If it's all just that, like on a one to one ratio, I think I think you'd get a lot of people convinced. Um, but they're not, uh, nowadays i mean that's never going to happen and you're not going to get it without the gay race communism this is a religious cause for them i don't, I don't even think they care about healthcare at this point i think healthcare is just like a way of saying we're going to give illegals healthcare and then watch white people die like that's that's, that's that's how they perceive healthcare at this point is healthcare for the rest of america is haha you're in ohio you're going to die a slow and painful death whereas if you're an illegal in mexico or in uh, california have everything mexico. you want for free With, yeah i mean <laughs> it, it, it is mexico the northern province new, of Mexico. New New Mexico. So um, Miller, I think Miller is a segue. Well, we didn't we didn't get on education though. I think first and foremost, destroy higher ed, tax the ever living crap out of the endowments, send them all to Gitmo. Hey, I I endorse. I I fully endorse. Trying to certainly doing my part to try to destroy higher education. Doing doing everything we can, but um, I think the other big part is relatively easy fix on the student loans is make the uh make the make the colleges be the ones on the hook for yeah. the the loans that if their graduates can't pay back their loans well then the the colleges have to pay yeah that would be a, a very hmm? very easy way to fix a lot of it you sold a shitty product you gotta pay you gotta reimburse the person exactly Ron DeSantis is very right he was very right about that and I, and I will absolutely credit him for that for, for being over the target on that we also need and then we're gonna then we're gonna move on because i've said that the stephen miller thing is a transition like three times now we also need um i've been thinking about this recently we need a national revival of the dignity of labor and that in, that includes all of the things that you guys are talking about it includes deporting the illegals it includes like making the economy cheaper and onshoring jobs and trade protectionism and and stuff like that but we also need to revitalize the idea that you don't need to sit in an office, you know, moving numbers around on Excel all day. Like you can actually go out and like work the land, yep. you know, you can, you can build things for yourself, but these are not jobs for brown people who speak Spanish. You can like, go work on jobs. Steve Jaw or uh, a Bill Gates farm. Yes. You can have, sounds like some, sounds like some fucking commie gobbledygook to me. <laughs> I was about to say, this is the most tanky episode we've ever recorded. We just sound like a bunch of fucking communists right now. It's fine. It's all communism. It, at the end of the day, it's all communism if you're a boomer con, so it's all right. Um, but yeah, like you need, to, we need to revitalize the idea that like those jobs, like you, we were talking about this on our on our Roy episode. Like there is no mudsill class. You know, you everybody can go. You know, work the the grill at McDonald's for a couple months during the summer. You know, I I worked. Grew up on a farm for the first 24 years of my life. My summer jobs, I was a concrete inspector for an environmental engineering firm. I drove around, you know, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, a little bit of Delaware, like in the hot sun in the summer, taking concrete samples. It sucked, but like I got so much out of that as like a person, you know, and like we just we need to make young people realize that like the the, Eat the rich is, is what not saying. the way. Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I painted houses in the summer when I was in school. That was that was actually kind of rewarding. It was kind of fun houses. being outside. Yeah. With, what do you with, with the Teamsters? Nah, I was a scab, man. I guess I'm the only <laughs> one who has seen 
the Irishman. Otherwise, you guys would have gotten that reference. But <laughs> I haven't seen it. But uh, yeah, no, I was I was painting houses in the, in the yeah, summer. Brother. I was it was fun, you know, hanging out up on ladders, you know, doing the trim. I was, uh, you know, it was a rewarding experience. But yeah, no, I, I agree that uh, in general, you know, the the, 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 the there's the whole trope, right, of the like, oh, well, we need the illegals because they're just doing the jobs Americans won't do. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, because you're paying them starvation wages and like the illegal immigrants are willing to live like, you know, 10, 10 guys to a one bedroom apartment and, you know, pick strawberries for seven fifty an hour. Pick where, strawberries for being paid in strawberries. But uh, the, like if you know if, if you actually paid like a, a a decent wage, you'd absolutely be able to get Americans. And like contradicts the earlier complaints about everything being too expensive. But um, yeah, would it make things a little more expensive if we had to hire Americans to do it? Yeah, but ultimately, then people will be making more money, so they yeah. could be able to afford things that are a little more expensive. Right. I, I would buy chains to be more sustainable. So I would rather to... pay. I'd rather pay twelve hundred dollars for an iPhone than. $400 if it's made in America with American labor giving Americans jobs. I think most people would, frankly. I think we're just poisoned with this free market liberalism groupthink. Um, exactly. It should be it should be Americans jumping out of those factory windows into the suicide exactly. nest, not Chinese exactly. children. It should um, be American men doing that. And uh, this um the thing you said about the illegals um being paid like Americans don't want to work for starvation wages whereas illegals will come over and do it just because of the opportunity to do it. Um, I know this is kind of a cliche point to make because, you know, Dems are the real racist and such. Um, but at the end of the day, it's kind of striking how so many of the Democrats like proposals just come back to how desperately they want slaves. Um, <laughs> like, uh, actually, this is actually a worse deal in a way, right? That like these are actually more like indentured servants rather than slaves. Where so, you're, so you're it's actually uh, you're, it's actually in a, a, actually, it's a, a actually yeah it's actually it's actually the southern argument for wage slavery i just to make sure people don't get it twisted i'm not trying to make the argument for slavery i'm trying to make the argument that the the, the current system of basically importing what amounts yeah. to a, a a servant class to work for starvation wages yeah. is actually worse than slavery because like they're taking advantage of these people and then they have the illusion of freedom they have the illusion of freedom and then they don't actually get any of like the it's, it's so anti-human no matter how you slice the mustard at the end of the day these practices don't help anybody i mean sure they they have a mar they have a marginally higher quality of life economically speaking but they're still living in squalor they're still mm -hmm. being abused by their paymasters they still are in debt to the cartel like none of this is a good situation to be in for any human being it's just rabid cap rabid cynical capitalism all the way down well, so to, to counter signal, um, they're not working for starvation wages. Um, we, I, I brought this up on the uh, on the Roy episode and I'll bring it up now because, you know, it's not true that illegal immigrants are working for for starvation wages. Some I'm sure you're some right. They're not working. Right. A lot of the ones who are coming here aren't working, period. They just want the free government cheese and the government phone and, and you know, however many hundreds of dollars a month we give them in entitlements that they don't deserve. But even the ones who do work, like, again, farm, New Jersey, understand fully these issues. Like, there's still a labor shortage of farm workers because the, these illegal immigrants don't want to do the work. Or if they want to do the work, they want to get paid $20 an hour. They want to get paid, you know, over, min not just over minimum wage, like double minimum wage to pick strawberries, to, you know, to go 
you know, pick peaches to go drive a tractor all day. Like these guys are making bank for what they do. So like you can't even say that like the illegals are cheap labor because they're not. And you could just as easily, it's a psychological thing. It's just like, we just have this weird cultural psychosis where people think that farm work is beneath them. It sucks. I get it. I did it for the first quarter of my life for literally until fucking last week I was a farmer. We've been, uh, we, we, we've been teasing a, a segue here into a, a new topic for a while. I know it's uh, really, really John's been anxious to get to. So why don't we uh, let John move us along here? John's going to. Yeah, didn't Stephen Miller say something or rather? Yeah. So Stephen Miller uh, tweeted another another funny thing a couple of days ago. He just tweeted very simply tariffs built America. And he got community noted into oblivion, which as of as the, as of the point we're recording this, the community note has been taken down. But it was it was essentially I rated it unhelpful. I yes, did that. because it was a shitty community note. Essentially, the argument was that like tariffs, you know, tariffs opposition to tariffs is what built America because uh, the the founding fathers uh, that the Boston Tea Party was all as against tariffs, which aside from being not true, is not his point. So I I, I did respond to these tweets. Um, like, because number one, first of all, I didn't I didn't say this, but a lot of people pointed out that like actually the whole point of the tea tax was to monopolize the tea industry. Like it was they the the British were actually cutting the tea taxes on the British the the East India Company tea so that they could monopolize the the import of tea from the rest of the world. The Orient that was the issue. They call it the, with- they called it the Orient back then. Yes, that was the the issue with that that precipitated the Boston Tea Party. The second part of that is like beginning in the 1790s, like Hamilton's report on manufacturers was all about uh, increasing domestic production. But Hamilton was also seriously in favor of tariffs. Hamilton and Madison both endorsed tariffs explicitly in the Federalist like multiple times Uh, as president. Thomas Jefferson used tariffs as essentially an embargo on British goods during the Napoleonic Wars. Uh, James Madison also used tariffs against the British, which precipitated the War of 1812. Uh, Henry Clay in the 1830s and 30s supported, heavily supported tariffs and increasing domestic production. Um, tariffs were the chief source of federal revenues from 1787 until the 16th Amendment was passed in like 1920. So for the first 150 years of the country, all the government was running on tariffs and we turned out all right. So like, I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't most people agree that kind of like the, basically like kind of like the golden age of American growth and dominance was kind of that period, especially post civil war through like 1920s that like basically from like 1865 to like 1920, America Uh, basically became like the wealthiest, most prosperous society on earth and oh, uh, well, like yeah i guess but I, I take kind of umbrage with how we're explaining dominance here because like I, I think we definitely became the dominant power once like britain kind of shat the bed That's well fair. but i mean the, the yeah, writing but... was on the wall right that like america was obviously on track to become like the wealthiest most powerful country on earth yeah, yeah. before it's before like... either of the world wars that like I, I i imagine anyone who had any economic sense to them whatsoever 
living in Europe in like 1910 probably realized that, yeah, wait, um, that country over there that like is an entire continent and like they're <laughs> rapidly industrializing is probably going to be a lot more powerful and wealthy than we are very soon. Yeah. And lo and behold, and Holly have entered the chat. It happened. <laughs> like that's it, it's it. Well, the funniest part is that it's um the guy who, who wrote the community note is um he works for the Cato Institute. So that tells you pretty much. Oh, a big I'm surprise shocked. there. I'm shocked. Uh, one of one of the comments is an article from uh, the Cato Institute, who uh, he talks about the the problem of tariffs in the American economy. Which, like, the, the, I'll, I'll read this tweet here. Uh, Hamilton and Clay supported the use of tariffs to stimulate infant industries. However, there's little evidence of the American system of tariffs and industrial subsidies was responsible for American economic growth in the 19th century. Which is funny because, like, using the phrase "little evidence." Is journalism speak for sticking your your fingers in your ears and going la 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 la? Like you can make the argument that like industry was going to naturally grow out because it kind of just did, but you can't deny the role of tariffs because if they didn't have tariffs, we were just going to get cheap industrial goods from Britain and Europe. Yes, very true. Very true. It 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 just seems like this opposition to to tariffs is just i mean it's another form of like this very modern sort of zombie reaganism that we have to deal with on the right of essentially any government intervention in the economy whatsoever well we we also use we use trade as a foreign policy cudgel that's what it comes down to i think yeah true um i guess this is something i thought about too before is that like Honestly, like many aspects of sort of libertarianism is that like, yeah, in a in a perfect world, would like absolute free trade probably be the ideal system? Yes. But it's essentially brings you to like the very basic game theory argument, right, of the the prisoner's dilemma, where the optimal outcome, right, is yeah, I, I, should I explain the prisoner's dilemma? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I'm going to say yes, but I'm lying. Um, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna explain it. Yes, please. It's very simple, like economic game theory. It's essentially the situation is you and your friend uh, get arrested for a crime, like you're you know bank robbers or something, and they're they they have you separated and they're questioning both of you, and you're essentially both pe- both people have a a choice to make of like whether they snitch or they stay quiet. Oh yeah 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 yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah that the the optimal outcome, assuming that like you know they only have like a little bit of evidence, they don't actually have strong evidence, is for both people to be quiet and not snitch. And then they both get the shortest possible sentence, but you don't know if the other person will snitch. You don't know if the other person will snitch or not. So you have an incentive to snitch to make sure you get the short sentence regardless of what happens to them. But then that means the other guy has that same incentive. So then then you end up in the equilibrium where both people snitch and well, they both get, they both kind of get stiffed. And let Um, this be, let this be a heavyweights endorsed policy. Never snitch on your friends. Yeah, don't rat on your friends. But anyways, the same sort of essentially the same sort of calculation applies when you're talking about free trade, where like, yeah, in the ideal outcome is basically every country plays by the rules and doesn't cheat. And they all essentially agree to, you know, we're going to have actual free fair trade and we're not going to, you know, we're not going to try to cheat other countries. But they all have an incentive where if they're the only country that cheats, well, then They they 
they get yeah. all the, they stand to make way more of the benefit than everyone else. So then it basically forces everyone into the outcome. Well, well we're all going to try to cheat because if one person cheats, then we're all screwed. So well, we're all going to do it yeah. together. So it, 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 it's essentially one of those things like, like most libertarian policy solutions where, yeah, in theory, it would be great if everybody was basically orderly and followed the rules and did what they were, what was rationally the best thing to yeah. do, but that's not how humans work. So it won't work. There is no high trust global community. Exactly. Right. You can't, you know, am I just going to take it as a matter of faith that, you know, if we agree to like free and open trade with the world, that the Chinese aren't going to cheat. Right. I'd be that's, stupid to think that's, that. That's part of what's, uh, I mean, one of the many things that's so frustrating with the approach to China right now. Um, well, I, I, I guess I need to uh, backfill that a bit. Um, you know, the, the People's Liberation Army has a division that's solely dedicated to corporate uh, espionage, right? Like, th this whole operation is dedicated to bringing down their global adversaries, which is really just us. Um, so the entire deck is stacked from the outset, yet we continue to operate uh, in seemingly good faith. We just leverage tariffs occasionally, um, which can have some adverse effects on us, as we have seen uh, with some manufacturing stuff. Um, yeah, the whole operating good faith thing, like you said, only works in a vacuum. It's, it's foolish. Long story short, Karl Marx and John Stuart Mill were both gay and dumb and wrong. Fair enough. Fair enough. I thought you were going I'm more to the a, I'm also acquitting us of the charge of communism. Because uh, okay. the, the boomer cons are going to call us communists, but Karl Marx was gay and dumb and wrong too. Fair. You know, he actually, um, if you, the, 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 I saw it was hilarious, was a, um, a letter that Karl Marx got from his, his dad. And basically just accusing him of being like a, uh, a lazy, like drunk piece of shit who's uh, <laughs> doing nothing with his life. And uh, oh, wow. It turns out that uh, communists have always been lazy pieces of shit who just want to complain and not actually do anything. Yeah. And also, it's an ideology from the sewers, because no matter how frustrating it is, they are usually right. My mom and dad. <laughs> Everybody say hi to your parents. Call them. Yeah, call them. Call your parents. Call they your mom you. and dad, folks. Uh, let's see what else. What, what else the we got on the podcast? Like, uh, the nuclear family. RFK. Mm. I am sick Zion. and tired. I'm sick and tired of this guy. All these DeSantis online influencers who will remain unnamed uh, continue to endorse him. This guy is, like you said, it's just a psyop. This guy is a died in the world liberal. They floated his name after Obama won in 08 for his EPA head. He wants to, he, he's degrowth when it comes to energy. He was, there, there was, uh, the Hill reported that he's seriously considering running as a libertarian so he can get easier access to uh, general election, um, so he can get easier ballot access because he's having a Dickens of a time as an independent, which, you know, it's understandable. But set aside, you know, just how we feel about the libertarian party and libertarianism in general. This guy is a died in the wool, like liberal. He's what, what? What's his libertarian bona fides? He doesn't like the vaccine. Sure, I mean, he doesn't like. He's, I guess, pro medical freedom, so to speak. Um, but that's it. What? What is? How is he on? I mean, he's gotten better on free speech stuff after being throttled to the gills by the internet after speaking out against the COVID shot, but. Other than that, he wants to take your guns. This guy is very much just another run-of-the-mill California liberal. 
I it put him in a Venn diagram with Gavin Newsom. There'd be more in the overlap than in the in the uh, differentiation differentiation. So I'm tired of this guy. I'm tired of seeing him. I'm tired of seeing uh, DeSantis influencers, which I don't think the Twitter influencer wars has any effect on the election whatsoever. If you actually want to have an effect in politics, go and knock some damn doors. Stop being a shill online. Um, I don't think oh, I'm sick and tired of people saying, well, he's just as conservative as a as New York Democrat Donald Trump. What are you talking about? If you endorsed DeSantis because you thought he was substantively more conservative than Trump, which I'll concede the argument for the sake of just rhetoric, your guy is now a up until moment of birth abortion shill, a guy who is pro codifying gay marriage and federal legislation. Like, what is what is the logic here? It's just I want to take my ball and go home because my guy lost. That's all it is. Yeah. No. And then. Um... Something I uh, I mentioned to you guys in the uh, the chat as we we're planning for the episode too is uh, you know back in the day he was real buddy buddy with uh, Jeff Epstein the uh, the New York financier and uh, Ghislaine Maxwell that um, if I if I if I'm not mistaken actually he was heavily involved in one of their ventures which was called. Um, Raping like kids? Undersea expl- no, it was like an undersea exploration company, allegedly, called like Terramar, that um, I believe Ghislaine and uh, RFK Jr. were both on the board for. Anyways, there's all if you guys want to look into this stuff, there's a lot of connections that go way back. But anyways, yeah, it, 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 it's more of the same. I mean, RFK was un- basically until he became the anti-vax guy. He was very much a part of the Democratic establishment, you know, yeah. going out campaigning for Hillary. Like this guy is this guy is just a lib who doesn't like vaccines. That's like the only the only supposedly right wing position I can really find is, oh, well, he, he was against the covid shot. Well, almost everyone on our side was against the covid shot. I mean, yeah. It, it's something it, it is it, it is kind of a black mark on trump's record the uh the operation warp speed stuff but i don't know i have a hard time i have a hard time blaming him for it just kind of given the uh the the situation he was put in what do you guys think yeah yeah i mean you know and again if you say these things in public 30 million people with uh alligators in their twitter handles will come at you and, and yell at you and scream at you and get really mad but like i i think that Trump should be faulted for some of the mishandlings of of COVID, you know, the pushing the vaccine and and continue. He's backed off recently, but like up until re, up until very recently, continuing to shill for the vaccine, trying to acquit himself of of keeping Dr. Fauci employed, uh, you know, stuff like that. But I, I think that when you really think about it in the moment, he was just kind of doing the best that he could with the circumstances because nobody actually knew what was going on until five minutes ago. You know, I mean, could, you ima- hand- could you imagine if like throughout the pandemic, instead of like him saying, Oh, we're going to throw everything we can at like trying to find a vaccine for this, like given like all the shit he was taking from every angle, if instead of that, he'd been saying, no, we're not going to work on a vaccine at all. Right. Like it, it just, the, the political calculus of that would have been, that would have yeah, was- guaranteed he lost in 2020. Yeah. If he was like, we're not, we're not going to do this even because in 2020, everyone or not everyone, but a lot of people were basically like, yeah, yeah we just got to get a vaccine and then everything will go back to normal. And that was kind of like the, the, the default position everyone seemed to kind of be taking. I was always a bit skeptical of it, but, um, certainly didn't take it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it would have been political suicide for him to, you know, 
not work on a vaccine during 2020. Yeah. Uh, and then kind of tying back into the whole um, primary and the DeSantis people. And the, like, honestly, I think just talking about COVID is a political loser, regardless of, you know, where wherever you're coming from on it right now. I mean, it, it's over and all you're doing is basically like dragging up a bunch of shitty memories. Like no one looks back fondly on on 2020 and right. the, uh, the 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 lingering restrictions that like stuck around afterwards. And I, I think that was actually a huge mistake from uh, a lot of the DeSantis people is that they were like, oh, well, COVID is the one area where, you know, we can really like hit Trump from the right. And yeah. like it, it fell flat because you're, you're essentially just, you know, bringing up shit people don't want to think or talk about anymore that like everyone hated it. It was a terrible experience. They don't want to go back. They don't want to do it again. Right. But they also don't want to think about it. Also, right. at, at the heart of the issue, the COVID criticism is a criticism of the managerial state, right, of the of the bureaucratic apparatus. Who is the guy who is literally still at war with that same apparatus? It's Trump. Don't forget, between March and August of 2020, DeSantis was horrific on COVID. DeSantis was threatening restaurants to shut down. He was threatening their liquor license because they wouldn't close during COVID. He was he's in public. He was on TV, on Fox News with the mask on the face, vaccinating the 101-year-old 100, 100, World War II vet who died two weeks later. Like, DeSantis is not off the hook for this. He was not some kind of great champion of COVID for the first six months. Really, the people... The people uh, no no one was. No, no one was. The pe- no, Every, well, everyone was shitty on COVID in 2020. Ironically, the people who were leading on COVID the first six months were Doug Ducey and Christy Nome. So, like, <laughs> uh, no, 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 I'm trying to shut down the state. The legislature just said nah, and then she took credit for it. Smart move. Yeah. Smart move on her part. Uh, I think that most, I think... People, most people aren't, most people are never going to check and they'll just believe that they just believe it. Yeah, I, Listen, I think the, I think the best was probably Kim sucks. Reynolds. But, anyways, I think, cuts back to the point. Yeah, it cuts back to the point of like, covid should not be a defining issue in 2024 we should lay that shit to rest and you know my 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 position on it is i'm willing to forgive but i'm certainly not going to forget like i'm I'm gonna remember what they did to us in 2020 i'm not i'm not not forgiving i'm not forgiving jack shit I, I I I'll temporarily at least at least for you know not politicians but like family and stuff like that like I yeah, remember yeah. the family the family members who you know would give me the side eye and didn't want me coming to family gathering because I was unvaccinated and all that kind of stuff I, I'm willing to f- forgive that but I'm also not right, going to forget right. about it but like I, I meant I, I'm not, I'm not willing to forgive um the people who kept uh Americans from funerals for their loved ones who wouldn't oh, let yeah, people yeah, be yeah. together fuck, in their dying them. moments no like I, that's yeah. that's I'm never going to forgive. The bureaucrats who who made that happen. Um, I mean, of course, you know, forgive the people who simply didn't know any better in our daily lives. But it's hard. It's hard, like you said. It's hard to. It's hard to. You know, you can't forget that someone who like family who turns you away because you were skeptical of something you were rightfully skeptical of. Exactly right. That like I, I'll, I'll remember how they acted when when the chips were down. Is right. is, is is what I'll say. Exactly, and it will. It will inform my decisions going forward, but I have I've forgiven everyone there, not the not the politicians who 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 did this to us though, they they will never be forgiven. Yeah, no, no, no mercy. And uh, RFK, no matter how good you are on the vaccine, at the end of the day, you're a libtard, and I'm never voting for you. You do not get the endorsement today, sir. Not today, and not ever.
No, sir. But uh, yeah, uh, what do you guys? What are you guys' thoughts on this uh, this border bill that's about to get rammed down our throats? This so-called border bill, five thousand illegals um, a day. I'm generally opposed to anything being rammed down my throat, so uh, I, I, I don't I'll, like it. I have a very <laughs> simple, I have a very simple, practical stance on this. Um, the amount of illegal immigrants this bill allows into the country is greater than zero. Therefore, no. <laughs> Yeah, fair. Yeah, that's a, it's a, easy no for me. I haven't I haven't read it at all, but if that's if that's true, then yeah, it's an obvious no that what we're gonna codify into law that like a certain number of illegals is okay. I mean, obviously, like from a practical standpoint, you're not gonna catch everybody, and there's gonna be a few border jumpers who get across, and like that's just you know part and parcel of being a big country with a, a big border. That like you know some people some people are gonna sneak in, but it, you should never say that that's okay. Like there's no right. tolerable level in the law that like you know in practice you can kind of admit like yeah okay maybe a few of them are gonna get away sure yeah but you can't you can't write into law no 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 five thousand is an well, acceptable number a day. It, it's not saying five thousand are acceptable a day. It's like five thousand a day until, uh, unless it reaches a threshold of five thousand a day, then enforcement mechanisms won't be triggered. Oh wow! Okay, so I'm just doing a little um, back of the napkin math here. Uh, five. If, if it was exactly four thousand nine hundred ninety-nine a day, right? Just enough to not trigger the enforcement. That would still put you at about one point eight million in a year. That's insane. So what you're is nice. this bill does precisely nothing to solve the problem? Correct. Actually, it would probably make it worse. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just guess. It would probably make it worse. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a de facto stand-down law where you know just. Tell them to come tomorrow. Sorry, guys. We had 4,999 come through today. Wait until tomorrow. <laughs> Jesus. I love Christ, democracy. Man. I love democracy so much. I, the, fire the Republican Party into the sun. Hey, speaking of firing the Republican Party, uh, let's talk about these RNC uh, 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 budget numbers. Oh, dear Lord. This was this was just insulting to me as a... Uh, as a Republican voter, just seeing how how our money is wasted. I mean, I guess I don't give money to the RNC, or at least I don't think I do. Maybe like if I donate money to the candidates, it somehow gets. <laughs> I the certainly RNC hope you aren't anymore. If you against are. against my will, maybe I guess is the only way I may have given them money. So but, just for um, context, yeah. for context for those who don't know, the Project Veritas tweeted out um, a report uh, comparing RNC and DNC total spending um, that breaks it down. I, yeah, by by category, I have the numbers yeah. here in front of me, which are mind-boggling yeah um so i mean uh the, the the top line numbers don't seem too out of whack that the rnc spent like 128 million and the dnc spent like 156 million those are you know relatively close and then uh top item here we got payroll RNC spent about 15 million dnc about 20 million yeah okay dnc spending a little bit more they probably have a few more people on staff that it seems normal uh but then the the first one that really raises an eyebrow here is office supplies yeah the uh, the RNC spent three hundred thousand dollars on office supplies, and the DNC only spent forty five thousand. Um, that I seems a little odd. I understand. Well, uh, I, I I'm kind of curious about two things here. Uh, I guess one thing really. Um, what is gifted to the DNC? Is it possible that uh, a lot of supplies that otherwise would not be gifted to Republicans would be gifted to Democrats, mostly tech, perhaps? Um, Could be. And also, you know, boomers are really bad with printers in the first place. So when the printer ran out of ink, they probably just bought a whole new printer every single time. 
Uh, that might actually be a better use of the money than than what else they've been doing with it. So as we move down the list here, next uh, one that raises a few eyebrows is they spent uh, RNC spent over a million dollars on management consulting. Uh, DNC one hundred fourteen thousand. I mean that to anyone that's egregious. Who, yeah, to anyone anyone in the know, that's an obvious like okay, that was basically just kickbacks to somebody's friends. Yeah, that like that's an absurd amount of money to be spending uh, relative to the Dems, essentially. And essentially political. 10 to 1 consultants um, are people you pay to tell you how to lose elections consultants are yeah. people who pay to tell you the same things you've known for all of your life no no actually it's worse than that they they tell you things that aren't true that you didn't think were true and then they convince you they are true and then that's what makes you lose the election just ask um, ron dion DeSantis. they're very true no no actually i was talking to a friend about this um offline that uh someone in the next b- before the next election cycle should basically spin up a new consulting firm and all they have to do is just hold up pictures of like the Nikki Haley campaign and the Ron DeSantis campaign and be like uh we're not going to do this we will not do this to you guys and your money will be better spent going with us and i think you could basically steal all of the bids from uh the establishment consultants who should all be you know embarrassed to show their face in public ever again just with the way they blow through money but we're not even done here there's some even more egregious um comparisons so um this one uh floral arrangements this one is just uh, funny the 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 rnc spent seventy thousand dollars on floral arrangements the dnc uh 795 dollars that's just um, hilarious what kind of flowers you guys think they they're they're buying for that that kind of money? I mean, seventy grand on flowers like Probably are these like, like gold dipped roses that the that you get? Or, from or, are they getting them like straight from like the road like the palatial garden like the um oh I'm totally drawing a blank here uh the the pa- Versailles Palace of Versailles like so are they I like think- like getting individual roses like mailed to them from Versailles <laughs> like what the hell is this one stamp per rose. Um, what, what I think this probably is, is one, I think it's two things, one kickbacks two donations. Um, I think, I mean, you have like, you see this all the time. Like you can sponsor a floral arrangement for any number of nonprofit, like galas. I think that's probably what this is. Um, I mean, it doesn't justify like the, the disgusting, like $70,000 on flowers. Um, you don't need that much money for centerpieces. Like, come on. Um, so I think for the Dems, they probably just got people to sponsor their flowers, or they were just in kind donations of some of some such nature. Um, yeah, um, and then some consultant probably had a daughter who had a um, a flower business. Yeah, and that was struggling, and he's like, "Hey, I'm a corrupt slime ball, Rana. I'll, I'll get you. I'll have the RNC catch you a check for twenty grand for some flowers." Exactly. Wild. Um. Uh, moving down the list, another really egregious one is media booking consultants. The RNC spent one hundred and sixteen thousand dollars compared so this to the one, DNC's this one, zero. This one, I literally actually, zero. I actually don't. I'm actually not that surprised by this one. The media consultants for the Democrats are literally just the media, whereas Republicans, like it's the Daily Wire, so and Fox and Newsmax and OANN, if that still exists at the time of recording, um, and Rumble. So what are your options? Like you have to pay, you have to strategize in that regard. It doesn't, I mean, it's still a lot of money. It's it's an egregious amount of money though, because a a large part of my job is handling media booking. And obviously it's a little bit different because I'm doing it just for one person and he's like high profile and 
basically every show wants to have him on. So it makes my job pretty easy when it comes to figuring out media booking. But the shit isn't that fucking hard. Right. Like to get especially if, you know, you have a candidate who's running for a major political office, you would imagine basically every show would be interested in interviewing them and having them on. I don't know. It's not that hard. All you got to do is figure out who the booker is for a show and you email them or you text them and you say, hey, do you want to have this guy on your show? And then they say, yes, we'd like to have him on the show. <laughs> and then that's about it. That's literally as hard as it is. There's not the, uh, Spending $116,000 on that is absurd because there should just be so many. There's already we already said they spent 20 million on payroll. That money should be going to someone on payroll who just does that. Like, there doesn't need to be an outside consultant you bring in to do it. It's an easy job. And so probably more, you know, just grift and waste from the uh, the RNC of giving money to somebody who had connections here. But I think real, the, real quick. Oh, but go ahead. Sorry. Uh, OK, I, I was going to move on to the next item. But if you got something on, the, well, the uh, I think I think we skipped perhaps the most important one, which was just about well, I was. Oh, no, no, I was going to go back to the ones where okay. the Dems outspent the Republicans after okay. I get through just the ridiculous go for spending it, go for it, yeah. from the Republicans is um this last one here. Limousines. Yeah. Uh, Two hundred and sixty three thousand dollars from the RNC to seven thousand from the, the DNC. Now, that one, I really can't explain that. I, I don't think there really is any innocent explanation for that. It's not like there's like limo services are discriminating based on your politics and will like only you know the, the the there's only like one limo service that will like work for republicans and like a million that work for democrats it's a limo service they'll they'll take your money they don't care they drive you to a place um so i don't know what the hell the rnc's spending all this money on limos for my guess is maybe it's a front for something else and uh that that money is basically being like accounted for as for limos and it's actually for something else but i don't know I'm open to other ideas there. It, it's egregious, regardless. I'd actually prefer, I'd, I'd prefer that that's actually like that they're lying and that money was spent on something else. Because if they actually spent a quarter million dollars on limos, I, I, I'm just going to throw my hands up in the air and say the RNC is completely broken and needs to be destroyed. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's a comical misuse of money. Obviously, um, I'm curious if limousine means like Uber as well. But even then, like, how do you spend a quarter million dollars on Ubers? A lot of Ubers. Um, so anyways, though, the, the, the three that also I think that you were you were hinting at that where you can see a huge discrepancy the other yeah. way are uh, things like voter file maintenance. Yep. Get out yep. the vote texting and transfers to state parties, uh, also known as things that actually win elections. Yeah. You're whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> You're telling me Honer centerpieces. And Uber Blacks don't win elections? Sadly, they do not. Otherwise, we'd probably have a Republican supermajority. I am dismayed. But um, the, the, the numbers here... The, the numbers Republican here are, Party into the sun. Correct. The, 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 differ the differences are um, vast. That's that, egregious. Uh, on yeah. voter file maintenance, Republicans spent 39000 to the Democrats 235000 So... You know, just an extra like two hundred thousand, especially when you compare that to the the base number for Republicans. Like as a percentage, they're essentially spending nothing on voter file maintenance. Uh, that seems important. Uh, get out the vote texting. Republicans eighty six thousand to Dems one point six million dollars. So um, 
multiple orders of magnitude higher for the uh, for the Dems uh seems important which is which is wild because every single day i get texts from republicans which are just like robo texts so but they're horrible they're they're horrible texts they're they're the worst texts it's like patriot have you abandoned us it's like 100 x matching you're a traitor (laughs) right right so i'm curious and like if that's how badly i'm getting spammed what are the dems doing so i can at least speak out to this a little bit it's not actually get out the vote texting but somehow, some way, the the Democrats' fundraisers have gotten my phone number and think I am a likely donor to Biden's campaign. And I've been called multiple times by some old lady in like Pennsylvania. I think it was the same lady both times, um, basically trying to get me to give five hundred dollars to Joe Biden's reelection. And when, when when I've gotten these calls, I've decided just to have a little bit of fun with it and just kind of string her along and kind of make it seem like I might give money, but <laughs> I don't. And uh, I, I talk about, like, I, I I pretend like I'm like some, like, you know, libtard boomer. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm really scared about Trump and fascism. But, you know, Biden is doing such a bad job. I don't know if I can vote for him again either. I don't know what to do. Ah, and just acting all <laughs> confused. And then being like, why can't Obama be president again? I thought I was voting for Obama to be president again when Biden ran. This has been nothing like Obama. And then this lady is like trying to explain to me over the phone how, no, no, there's a there's a constitutional amendment and you can only be president twice. And we all want Obama to be president again, but he can't be president. And I'm like, well, that's a dumb rule. Why don't we change that rule? (laughs) And just really lead her on. And then she'd be like, oh, but would you give money because we got to defeat Trump? And I'm like, ah, geez, you know, the groceries and the gas or I've got too these expensive. pills. I can't, I can't, I don't have five hundred dollars to give Joe Biden because the economy sucks. Could you give me five hundred dollars? But um, so I mean, I, I I hopefully other people like me are out there wasting their time and money so that this get out the vote texting and calling is not um maybe not as effective as it as it, as it could be, but it, it's still ridiculous the the difference. Um I don't know if and then the helped. other the the last one really is out uh wasting Republicans' time and money with all their the Democrats registered over New Hampshire. Hey, true, true. Uh and then the, the last one that jumped out to me too is transfers to state parties. Um the Republicans gave yeah, a respectable 13 million out of their 128, so about 10% of their money went to state parties. Uh, but for Democrats, it was 23, actually almost 24 million uh out of their 156. So still as a percentage way higher than Republicans uh, also seems important for winning elections that, you know, funding your state parties is important. Nuts. That's very Good. fair. But to be fair, the state parties also suck. Um, I have a friend who's in Pennsylvania state party politics, and he, he constantly tells me horror stories about how much the PA GOP literally exists to grift off of their donors uh well see that's actually i i i noticed something similar out here in washington but it doesn't really matter in washington because republicans are never going to win anything anyways um but yeah the 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 state party is very very incompetent here too um i've heard from other people that some of the swing state republican parties are at least a little more competent and that it's really the ones that are like really safe red or really safe blue yeah. where you get the, like the worst sort of incompetence and atrophy because like everyone's basically running on autopilot, whether it's here in Washington, they know they're going to lose every time. There's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing to be gained by, you know, working harder because you know, you're going to lose no matter what you do. Um, Whereas I imagine kind of the opposite is true in like, I don't know, a state like Alabama or something 
where like I feel like the state party also doesn't really have to do that much because they know they're just going to win every time. Yeah. Um, but that also means that they keep electing a bunch of like the reddest states elect like the worst senators and congressmen because their seats are so safe that like there's no incentive they, yeah which I, no incentive? Yeah, right. ideally those those places are where the republican party should be the most aggressive but this is what i call the red state problem which is the idea that like we get lindsey graham from from deep deep red south carolina and james langford from deep deep red oklahoma you know it's a it's a shame it's a damn shame um what the squirrel has come to for people like me and people like you <laughs> oh man but you did had I a call it or, did i call it or what before we jump into my last story here with oliver anthony did i you were correct i I, such I, I I called the 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 hick lib transformation was gonna Armin happen never wrong it did he's an <laughs> rfk guy just missed yeah, just man. once missed just oh, it's, once. Tough. it's tough man it's tough and speaking it of an optimistic not... prediction so that when you're right <laughs> we'll be happy when you're right Tell me All right, here we it. go. Here's here. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb here. This actually is a bit of a limb here. Donald J. Trump will be the 47th president of the United I, States. I agree Trump with this. Take it to the bank. I agree you with can this. take that one to the bank. I don't miss. He is going to win this election. Absolutely. Frankly, savings into poly market right now, as Armin called it. Frankly, I think he won the last one as well. But this one, he's going to win by a fraud proof margin. They're going to try to steal baby. it. And they are going to win regardless. But I think, yeah, I think that the, I think that it's just going to be beyond the margin of fraud. We're calling it now. Again, put your life savings, all of it, into Poly Market. And while we're while we're on such a, a positive note, uh, I, I I'd been mentioning that I had a really good story from uh, from my younger days that I I haven't told very frequently, especially not in political circles. And it, it, it honestly, I think it kind of shines a light on where I was coming from as a as a middle schooler and uh, kind of maybe illuminated where I was, where I was heading politically. So this, I'll take you all the way back to a much simpler time. This would have been eighth grade for me. So the 2011, 2012 school year, um, it was actually right at the, right around the same time as Coney 2012. So this would have been what, like April. I think that was April, 2012 that um, me and uh, a couple of friends from, uh, from school, had um this this was right as like basically memes were becoming like a big thing and like everybody was on Facebook at the time and there were like Facebook meme pages yeah. in the same way to to any Zoomers in the the audience like true Zoomers because like, I'm like right on like the 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 high end of like how old you can be and still be a Zoomer so any of these young Zoomers listening there once was this thing called Facebook that uh, now <laughs> has been taken over by old people but it used to be like the main social social media site. Yeah, and they had games like Farmville and like this one where there was like a uh, a unicorn or something that you basically had to like jump and like control and like you do obstacles or whatever. Anyways, that that's a bit of a tangent. There the, were meme pages and there were lots of them. And this was like the days of like, you know, Rage Comics and like Trollface and like Come At Me Bro, like the real like early days of like internet meme culture. And we we found this page that probably had uh, I'm pulling a number out of my ass here, but this sounds right. I think it had like probably like twenty thousand followers, which was like pretty big at the time for a meme page. And we over time we were just at first you know just very loyal fans of the page. Um, the 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 page was actually called Derptois, spelled like D E R P T O I S E, like kind of like French Derptois, the Jew. 
very weird name for a page, but uh, they, and they were just posting, you know, like the, the classic 2012 Rage comics. Uh, you don't troll say face. Nicolas Cage troll face. Uh, like the the Neil deGrasse Tyson, like watch out, we got a badass over here. Like the the real early day meme yeah. stuff. And so uh, we, we spend this is a long con. So we spend probably weeks or months basically ingratiating ourselves to these meme page admins and like we're always in the comments and we're like kind of trolling a little bit and stirring up trouble and just you know we're active members of the uh, the community here to the point where they invite my friend Nick to become an admin of the page and we're like oh well that's really cool and you know i don't know if this is still the way facebook pages work but like at the time at least there was only like one level of admin which gave you like absolute control over the page and we figured this out very quickly once they made him an admin that he then had the authority to make us admins me and my <laughs> other friend so immediately he was like oh well i'm gonna make them admins too so he adds us to the 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 admin team and then we have a, a little little mischievous idea of like wait a minute we can also remove admins from this page <laughs> and uh, lo and behold within a day the uh entire existing admin team had been removed and we were now running the page and uh all the 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 just like the regular normie fans of the page were none the wiser that any of this had happened. And there were just angry people showing up in the comments being like, hey, what the fuck? I used to be an admin of this page. Now I can't I, I can't log back in. What happened? And we, we just had our fun with it for, you know, probably a month or two before we uh, eventually decided to be nice and return the page to the original owners. But um, this was some early, <laughs> early developed meme warfare techniques. And uh I, uh, you know, I, I bet if I scroll back far enough in my, uh, my Facebook page, which I haven't logged into in years, I bet I can find a bunch of like, you know, shitty 2012 memes that I was posting all the time in, uh, in middle school. I have no idea. Uh, some of them I think were probably like definitely the kind of stuff you get canceled for now, <laughs> just given, you know, what you were allowed to say online in 2012 versus what you're allowed to say online now. So, um, I might have to go back and delete some posts one day. <laughs> and, uh, it was uh, it was great. So yeah, we we basically just hijacked this uh, this meme page and uh, did a little did a little trolling. It's called a classic. Boys will be boys. Yeah, by the hopefully by the time Media Matters actually does find this podcast, we'll be able to pull a Tucker Carlson. So you know, hey, Media Matters, go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, I, I I'm already more than comfortable doing that. Yeah. That burn, um, your, burn your ships. Hey, folks, hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to like and subscribe to Heavyweights Podcast on both YouTube and Rumble. Follow us on Twitter at Heavyweights76, and the show is available for download on all major platforms as well. Hope to see you soon.